I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Welcome to Vet Sessions. This episode of Vet Sessions is generously sponsored by OBC Pet Trust. OBC Pet Trust, founded in 1986 at the Ontario Veterinary College, is Canada's first charitable fund dedicated to improving and advancing companion animal health and well-being. OBC Pet Trust sponsors innovative discoveries, education and healthcare that improve the prevention, diagnosis and treatment of diseases of pets. Learn more about OBC Pet Trust at www.pettrust.ca or connect with them on Instagram at the handle at OVC Pet Trust. I'm your host today, Dr. Omar Khan. I'll be speaking with an old classmate of Dr. Dersey's and mine, Dr. Mary Jane Ireland. Dr. Ireland is the Chief Veterinary Officer at the Canadian Food Inspection Agency and the Delegate to the World Organization for Animal Health. She's also the Executive Director of the Animal Health Directorate. Welcome, Dr. Ireland. Thank you very much for having me, Omar. Yeah, I know you're welcome. And we've been planning this for a bit. And, you know, with, with your busy schedule, um, we've had this reschedule. But thank you so much for being here and spending some time with us. Very excited to be here, actually. Uh, I've, I've been uh, thinking about that. It's been a very long time since you and I have had a conversation graduating in 2000 as uh, the Year of the Dragon together. Yeah, exactly. And that was a great class. We have lots of intelligent people, smart people coming out of there and doing some amazing things. So really proud of our class. Yeah, me too. Great. So, Dr. Arlen, can you describe your career path for us? What, what made you want to become a veterinarian and how did you end up where you are? Yeah, thanks for a great, great question. Um, so I think I'd be one of those people that uh, would say for as long as they could remember in their childhood years, they wanted to be a veterinarian. So I've, I've always actually uh, had this career path in my sight line. Um, uh, I went to the University of Guelph um, undergraduate uh, program in science um, and then did a master's degree in immunology, uh, also at the Ontario Vet College and uh, applied uh, to veterinary college and, and was accepted. Um, so I've always wanted to be a vet um, and so was beyond thrilled as, as I think everybody is when they were accepted in, into vet school. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and, I, and it just kind of, it's continued to build and offer incredible opportunities ever since the day I learned that I was accepted. Yeah, yeah, I know I share the feeling. I know a lot of students, you know, apply to the program thing and they're gonna get in, in, in their, you know, undergraduate years. And, and sometimes that's not the case. I did my, my undergraduate too before I applied and, and got into. So it's it certainly, you know, some of us are fortunate to get in, you know, right after university. Some of us, it, it takes a while, but we perceive and we persevere and, you know, here we are, right? Yeah, I would be one that I would be a good example of uh, perseverance uh, on that front. Um, and also just the value of doing some other things along the way, doing a, a master's degree in immunology at, at OBC actually set me up really nicely to to join the government later. And I, I would never have guessed that or predicted or expected that, but um they were just avenues that kind of opened up to me and I, I went through those doors and I, and I think, and not knowing, but I look back and I think that was a great decision. Um, 
that uh, that I made, but it you know yeah. you kind of you take a chance on things, and and I did so. Yeah, no, I mean, and that, that's definitely what happens. I mean, some of it's, you know, uh, hard work and perseverance, some of it's serendipity and, and, and luck, right? So, yeah, yeah, great. I think I was always, I was very privileged also to have some great mentors along the way, people who gave me some guidance and um, some career um, advice. And uh, I think most people will say when, when, um, they make good decisions. There's always a few people who have helped them along the way and, and helped them yeah. step up. So, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I've had some great individuals helping me along the way too. Yeah. Amazing. And, and, you know, as, as faculty here, you know, Tiff, Shannon and I, we try to, you know, be mementors cause we were there, you know, we, we sat across the table at, at some point, you know, in our student careers and we try to emulate that and, and, you know, give back to the students. You as have well. to pay it forward, right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely. So how did you end up being in the in the government? Well, I graduated, we graduated in 2000 and I joined um, a rural practice in Eastern Ontario, um, a mixed animal practice with um, probably doing more large animal than small animal, but I did both. Mm -hmm. um, I worked in that practice, I, I learned a lot. Um, the great veterinarians um, and leaders even now in the profession uh, that owned that practice. And so it was very, very fortunate. Um, yeah. I learned a lot in those two years. And then um, just by happenstance, um, somebody from the Veterinary Drugs Directorate of Health Canada called me mm -hmm. and asked if I might be interested in applying for a job there. And as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, um, one of the things they were looking for was some graduate experience. Um, mm -hmm. And I had had some of the skills I think they were looking for in terms of evaluating veterinary drugs for safety and efficacy. Right. So the Veterinary Drugs Directorate is the regulatory body that oversees the approval of drugs before they veterinary drugs before they can be sold in Canada. So they make sure they're properly labeled, they're safe, they're effective, they're high quality. And if they're being used in food producing animals that there's withdrawal periods and that they're safe, then they, uh, their use doesn't uh, cause food safety issues. Mm -hmm. So um, I reflected because sometimes, you know, these opportunities come along, you're not sure what to do. I didn't, I didn't know much about Health Canada, actually, and their involvement in veterinary medicine. Um, and I, I interviewed with them um, and I accepted that job. And I would say wow. lots of people wondered why I would accept that job. <laughs> And because it just, it's not something I probably had ever contemplated working for government. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, it was a, like just a fundamentally excellent decision I made to join. Um, it offered me great growth as a, as a veterinarian, as a professional, um, as a person, also lots of continuing education experiences. Yeah. And to work with, um, a really um, diverse scientific team um, from all parts of the world um, with expertise in microbiology, um, immunology, um, and toxicology. So really was, I think, uh, a great decision. And uh, I worked there for about 18 years. Wow. I was a drug evaluator when I started. And then um, I became a manager of the drug eva evaluation team. Uh, and then a director of the clinical evaluation division there, and then the director general um, at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so I really grew up in that organization and they were very supportive of continuing education, but I did my master's of business administration when I was there um, in the evenings and weekends. It was through the University of Athabasca. Um, 
And so really a great uh, exposure to all the things that that government um, has to offer for careers, uh, for scientists, and in my case, as somebody, as a, as a veterinarian um, in, in that profession. So um, really enjoyed my time there. And then just more recently, a couple of years ago, I joined the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, mm-hmm. also in the space of animal health, um, as the DED of the Animal Health Directorate. And uh, then about nine months later, as the Chief Veterinary Officer and Delegate for the World Organization for Animal Health. Um, all the jobs that I've occupied in government have been in the space of animal health. Mm-hmm. And something I think that people don't really realize is that there are many areas in the federal family of of departments that make a real impact in the lives of animals in in the space of One Health. Um, And that would include the Public Health Agency of Canada, um, Environment and Climate Change Canada, Health Canada, CFIA, Department of Fisheries and Oceans. Um, You'll find uh, individuals, scientists and veterinarians all throughout the federal public service. And so some really exciting career potential for veterinarians who are interested in doing something maybe a little uh, bit uh, not, you know, a little less traditional in terms of a career path, yeah. um, but very rewarding, lots of opportunity for growth um, and really making an impact on the lives of animals here in Canada, the, the population of animals, as well as on the lives of Canadians. And I think that's really exciting. It, it sounds amazing. And I can hear the passion in your voice, you know, and, and to think that you work with so many intelligent and, and amazing people. Um, and you, 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 you know, span so many areas, you mentioned a number of, of government agencies that I would never even think of um, having, you know, a huge veterinary influence. Um, so it, it just to show it just shows that the, you know, the I guess the the possibilities upon graduation, you know, we come into that school and I'm sure you were the same when you when you first started, yeah, I'm going to be a, a clinician, you know, um, and, and work with with, you know, my favorite animals and, and then your career path changes. And we never think of that as students. And um, it's great to know that there's so many different opportunities for our students out there. Yeah, I think that's the the message for students is the training you're getting as a veterinarian. Um, really enables you to do so many things, Mm -hmm. critical thinking, uh, analytic skills, science, um, physiology, all of these things and leadership set you up um, to really make a career path and chart a career path for yourself that works for you and what you're interested in, where your passions lie. If you like international work, there's lots of opportunities there. If you want to be in practice, obviously lots of opportunities there. Or you want to be in government and public service, uh, incredible, um, incredible opportunities there also. Like the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has about 600 veterinarians working coast to coast here in regional wow. offices, inspection work, policy and, policy and programs like the group that I work with. Um, they are making a difference each and every day. Um, to the lives of animals, making sure diseases, foreign animal diseases don't come in, um, mitigating impact um, of diseases that we have here already, like the avian influenza issue we're, we're facing, yeah. um, and making sure that animals, um, in terms of going to processing or transportation, um, things are done humanely. Uh, yeah. So 
and the health and well-being of animals is taken into consideration. And we have a whole suite of regulatory, a regulatory framework around the work we do uh, that guides our day-to-day -day work. So yeah, great, great um, career path for veterinarians in just about every area of animal health and welfare to yeah. choose from, quite frankly. Amazing. You, you mentioned um, the, the Animal Health Directorate and, and some of the work that you did there. Um, so walk me through in, in three minutes, I guess, um, you know, a new drug comes into Canada. Um, what's the, the process for having it approved? So the, the group that oversees the approval process of veterinary drugs is Health Canada's Veterinary Drugs Director. And so when a drug company wants to market a drug, a veterinary drug in Canada, they have to apply to or provide information to the veterinary drugs directorate, um, all their information about the product to demonstrate that it's safe, it works according to the label that the company envisions, that it is of high quality. And then again, if it's a, a food intended for food producing animals, um, the safety of it for use in food, um, including what they would envision to be the withdrawal period um, and residue in toxicology information. So mm -hmm. the, the very competent scientists there take this information and they review it and they make sure that it's sufficiently safe, it works, um, that it meets the quality standards, uh, of good manufacturing practices. Mm -hmm. um, and then if it meets the bar, um, then it will be approved and it's given a drug identification number. And that's how veterinarians know when a drug is uh, approved for sale in Canada, it has a unique identifier on it. Yeah. And then they also have a, a very interesting program for veterinary health products, which is a, a, a group of low risk products um, that promote health and wellness in animals. And um, they have a new regulatory framework that allows for those products to come to market also. It's a different, um, it's a different oversight of those products, but basically um, once they are approved because their ingredients are determined to be safe and they meet um, production requirements, quality requirements, they are given a notification number. So veterinarians may see those products on the market too. So really yeah. keeping animals healthy, they're not for treatment of disease, just to keep animals healthy and well, just like we would take um, things to keep ourselves healthy and well. Yes. And then we have the more traditional drugs to treat diseases, prevent diseases. And so for the veterinary drugs director, they play an incredibly important role um, both the scientists, the veterinarians, uh, to make sure that veterinarians and producers and animal owners have tools in their toolbox to treat and prevent disease, keep their animals healthy. And when they use them, they use them knowing that they've had proper oversight um, and that they can be used with a reasonableness of safety and efficacy. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Uh, you mentioned sort of those, those are, uh, you know, adjunctive therapeutic drugs. So we're, we're talking perhaps like omega threes or glucosamine chondroitins, things like that, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Vitamins, minerals. Yeah. 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 Okay. Exactly. Interesting. Um, and you said that that was some recently developed framework. So, so are we going to see sort of identification numbers on those products in the near future or? Yeah, so there actually, there are a lot of products out in the market already. Um, mm. the, it's been in existence for, I'd say, about four, maybe four or five years. I okay. lost track of time on that. But, um, and they, they have a notification number on them. So they have a discrete identifier also so that yeah. people can see mm. that on the product. Yeah. 
Um, and that means that we they have a proportionate framework, which means a lot of oversight, um, uh, very, very in-depth, uh, extensive data requirements for drugs. Mm -hmm. And then for products that are considered to be low risk, veterinary health products, the data requirements are different. Um, yeah. They're not allowed to make uh, similar claims. They can only have claims that are around structure and function. So keeping animals healthy mm -hmm. to eat in a, a healthy digestive system. So what's nice is that we have a mechanism for products to appropriately come to market with the appropriate oversight, regulatory oversight, which is yeah. a great place to be. And in fact, I would say that that veterinary health product program is is considered kind of world class, to yeah. be honest. Amazing. Yeah. Nice. That's great news. That's good to hear. Uh, Dr. Ireland. Most all listeners have a, a really good appreciation of, you know, daily referral or, or general practice. Uh, can you give us a snapshot of your typical day or, or typical week? Are you bouncing from place to place? Are you on the phone all the time? Like, like what's going on, on on your daily routine? So my typical day won't won't be the same as as maybe a veterinarian who's out in a district office. Their their typical day, um, mm -hmm. both very exciting but but probably very different. Um, as CBO and the executive director, um, my job is to make sure that our programs and initiatives and the people that are working on them are well supported to make sure they're advancing, making sure we are um, completing regulatory amendments, updates to our programs. Um, so for the programmatic work, my job is to make sure that I enable the group to, to do their work effectively and efficiently and lend a hand, but they are the program experts um, and they know their programs inside and out. Mm -hmm. um, so my role for them is really to support them and to create an environment where they can, okay, they can do their work um, and really shine. Yeah. And they do. Um, there's a fair amount of international work associated with the CBO role. So we are involved with the World Organization for Animal Health. So I'm mm -hmm. the delegate. So certainly lots of opportunities to engage with my colleagues in Australia, New Zealand, United States, UK, Europe, um, on all things animal health, because quite frankly, we're all facing very similar challenges, climate mm. change and new diseases, animal yeah. health pressures keeping foot and mouth disease out of the country, keeping African swine fever out of Canada um, and minimizing the impacts of avian influenza, which is currently in Canada. Yeah. So my colleagues right around the world are all, all dealing with similar challenges. So we try to stay very connected um, and understand what each other is doing because the decisions we make um, can impact on trade um, mm -hmm. and also um, impact on the movement of goods and animals around the world. So, so a large portion of my time is also spent on international work um, and making sure that, that our needs are known um, and that we are influencing programs and policies and activities, um, international activities um, that consider our needs as well as, you know, really good, um, good international practices around programs and policies and regulations. So, that's another part of my work. And then also for CBO role, I have a, a, a tremendous group of colleagues, which are the chief veterinary officers of the provinces and territories. So each one has a chief veterinary officer. Yeah. And we also um, 
are quite frequently discussing what the animal health challenges here are in Canada, because animal health is a shared jurisdiction between provinces and the federal government. So there's a really um, important component there of aligning, um, sharing information and working together for the population of animals in Canada. Mm. So, and as part of leadership here at the agency, I also have kind of the, the governance and the corporate responsibilities. And I co-chair and lead what we call the animal health business line um, here at the agency. So we have a plant yeah. business line, an animal business line, and a food business line. And, and it's really just to make sure the agency's efforts on animal, all things animal health um, mm -hmm. are advancing and we have a coordinated strategy um, and that we, we are working together as one agency. And with 6,000 people in, employed in CFI <laughs> working across the country, it's really important to keep, to keep um, everybody current and yeah. um, working together uh, as one as one group. So that's another kind of, I think would say part of my responsibilities as ED and, and CBO here at the agency. Yeah. And then there's yeah. the meetings um, and then there's lots of discussions with stakeholders. So what is on the mind of our national associations? What are the challenges they are facing? What are their questions? And where do we need to work together? And that's another, I would say important part of my job is yeah. listening yeah. and and helping yeah oh sounds like you wear many many hats <laughs> I, I... For many many teams meetings sometimes um, yeah. but um the collaborative atmosphere that i think we have here within the agency and and with stakeholders and with the provinces and territories is really a key key part of my job is just making sure that we do our part there for that yeah. collaboration and we facilitate it to the extent we can yeah, and there's so much to, to learn, so much to know, and so much that we as, as I guess, private practitioners or, or the veterinary public at large don't know about. So thank you so much for bringing that perspective to us. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, are you able to tell us, Dr. Ireland, uh, uh, about any projects that your team or a team that you supervise might be working on? You touched on, on avian influenza. And in a, a past podcast, you know, we spoke about avian influenza briefly. Um, so how, will we prepare, how are we preparing for that? So we, I would say that avian influenza has been and will continue to be one of the biggest animal health challenges we have faced in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, we have been into this for a little over a year. Um, it was introduced into Canada through the migra migration of, of wild birds, uh, yeah. waterfowl, and H5N1, highly pathogenic avian influenza. Um, since a little over a year ago, we've had 7 million birds affected. We've had just short of 300 infected premises, both small fox and commercial farms, so about mm. 299. Um, and between um, producers and veterinarians and the agency and provinces and territories, we're all working together, you know, to uh, make sure we uh, eliminate the disease, um, prevent its spread from an infected premise, um, and do what we can to uh, prevent incursions into new premises. So uh, really advocating for strong biosecurity, um, so the agency is, has been working on this uh, with hundreds of dedicated CFI uh, employees 
to stamp out infections when they're found, do surveillance. Um, when an infected premise is identified, you know, there's a whole uh, series of steps that has to happen, including protection zones around the location, permitting to prevent or to make sure things coming into, within and out of the zone are not tracking avian influenza around. It's highly contagious, this virus. And so um, we've been in this for more than a year. Yeah. We are right now in a little bit of a lull because the birds have largely, wild birds have largely migrated to south. But, but it is true. It is true that birds will be heading, will be heading north as the temperatures warm. And so we're continuing to make sure that associations, producers are ready. They're implementing the highest biosecurity possible. The small flock owners are aware of what biosecurity is and are practicing it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, um, that we're all working together to respond effectively and efficient, efficiently when it returns. And, and I think, you know, we're predicting a, a difficult spring. Um, yeah. First time ever this disease um, has been right across the country uh, wow. in the provinces uh, and sometimes at the same time. So really for the industry, for bird owners, um, the agency and the association, it's been a very, very difficult year for avian influenza and for them and their yeah. profession. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know. And as you said, it's, it's probably the, the worst um, uh, veterinary disease to affect the, the, the country in, in recent times. So yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Well, we're running out of time. So I, I do want to thank you, Dr. Ireland, uh, for taking uh, time of your extremely busy schedule. I know we've tried to schedule this a few times, but, and it sounds like there's so much more to discuss that we are going to have to have you back at some point. <laughs> All right. I would be honored to come back and thank yeah. you so much for having me today. Really. It's a privilege. Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks. I really, really appreciate the discussion we had, uh, to our listeners. Um, thank you very much for tuning in today. If you have suggestions for future podcasts or a clinical question you would like to have answered, please email us at vetsessions at hotmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at vetsessions. Take care and see you next time.